Okay, welcome to the Next Right Podcast, Episode 8, with Charlie and... Charlie! And we also have and... Chris Lyford from San Francisco. Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit about Chris, and we'll get him going, too. Well, actually, Chris is uh, from a little bit north of San Francisco, but he is a San Francisco denizen. Um, he is the communications de- director at the um, Diocese of Santa Rosa, um, <clears throat> Uh, works hard, uh, has been in the faith community. He used to be a uh, a Catholic radio broadcaster. Uh, and Chris, I think you can you can expand a little bit on your uh, your curriculum vitae. <laughs> yeah, it's a thank you. Hey, by the way, it's great to be here, guys. Um, well, you know, there's a there's a whole another show or podcast about you know what God has brought me through. But essentially, yeah, involved in. If, for my whole life, the Lord called me into the work of working in his vineyard, and my vocation is marriage, and I've got four kids and great son-in-law, two grandkids, and very happy and uh, thankful and um, been working in the church for, gosh, almost 40 years. I mean, you know, it's going to be thir- it's 36 or so, something like that, full-time, and uh, the Lord's blessed my family with his presence, his faithfulness ups and downs, all kinds of twists and turns, but he's never left us, and uh, uh, we're just really blessed. But yeah, I taught high school. My degree is in theology from Franciscan University of Steubenville, and uh, um, recently working in communications, primarily uh, first at the Archdiocese of San Francisco. That's where I interviewed you, Charlie, and I think we have one, there's one video I put up, but there might be some more I need to work on, but uh, you were here, gosh, was it three three years ago or so? And we were able to uh, go to the Feast of the Assumption Mass there in, at the cathedral and say hello to Archbishop uh, Cordelioni. And uh, you gave a few talks, and then you came back the year later, I believe. And I think yes. you're coming again this year. Yes, in a month. <laughs> I have right, to no say, uh, I feel a little bit like an outsider with two radio personalities and then just me but hey whatever let's do this actually you're refreshing charlie <laughs> great no we had a great time in san francisco and that that uh talk that day that's one of my most memorable because um it was a little over two years ago about two and a half years ago it well it was on the feast day of the assumption at the Assumption of Our Lady Cathedral in San Francisco, uh, Archbishop Cordelione uh, celebrated Mass. And then after that, I gave a little presentation downstairs. And I got to tell you, if you've ne- it's one of my favorite cathedrals. It, uh, it, it has some modern influences in it, but the statues on the Stations of the Cross mm. are the most gorgeous i have ever seen in my life if you're ever out in san francisco folks you gotta stop by the cathedral oh yeah yeah amen their shrines each of them uh, uh I, I think i'm not sure if it's the seven joys and sorrows of mary but it, it those those shrines are huge they're all different in different porticles uh, uh porticos throughout the church and it's funny that you mentioned that charlie every day i worked at the chancery and i would go to mass the 1210 mass there after Mass, I'd always go over to Our Lady of Pentecost, and uh, it's Mary in the midst of Pentecost with the apostles around here and the Holy Spirit falling, and I would pray, uh, let the wind blow, let the fire fall, let the glory come down <laughs> every day. And 
I'm, you know, praying for revival. And, uh, well, we're going to be talking about yeah, a kind of the fire. fire has fallen, correct? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Different, in a different way, though. Uh, exactly. And yet it has to do with purification. And it's very clear. Um, and that's why, you know, at the diocese, we'll talk about the fire. But the first thing I want to say is that um, in setting up our response as a diocese and branding it, so to speak, on the website, I realized that we had to name it something that has to do with encouraging everyone to get up and do something. And the, the phrase sign of hope was so clear. And so that's the name of our uh, response campaign, both materially and pastorally. So it's srdiocese.org slash sign of hope. And obviously you, you guys who are listening probably know where that came from. <laughs> if, if not, I'm sure my dad at some point will go through his normal spiel about uh, taking yeah. the next right step, all the things. Good. Great. <laughs> well, you know, it's always kind of amazing to me. I was at a um, I was at a Sunday mass at a parish in um, in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, beautiful parish, Our Lady of Mount No, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I think wonderful priest there, and I hadn't even met the priest yet. Uh, I was going to be doing a, a talk talk there. The song that the choir did, that it was in the eye of the storm. He is already there. And wow. I thought, well, this is appropriate. And after mass, when I met the priest, <laughs> he started talking. Wonderful fellow, Father John. He said, so did you like the song I had him sing for you? <laughs> that's great. Well, that's beautiful. That's the joy of, of being in fellowship uh, as children who really are quite clueless. But at least we know where we're, our faces are turned, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, another one. David Delayden, who did the Planned Parenthood videos, he and I are very close. And um, at one time, I mean, this had to be a year and a half ago, he was giving a talk. And at the end, I mean, he really got fired up. And at the end, he said, what we have to do, we have to acknowledge God, take the next right step and be a sign of hope. He said after it, uh, after the talk, he said like five or six people came up to him and asked, are you are you a Charlie follower? <laughs> he said, so every once in a while, but he wants to find out in a group how many Charlie people they are, there are there. Oh, yeah. He says that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, you know, that's the beautiful thing about that message, Charlie, is, is you know, as people ask you and they pester you. And uh, I was just thinking, I've been answering so many emails, beautiful uh, emails and also many media uh, contacts or, or, or have been just getting in contact with me every day. And I was feeling because, you know, I'm having to answer all these emails. I thought, wow, this is probably what Charlie feels like at the end of the day when he answers all his <laughs> emails, <laughs> because uh, it's been very, very busy. But the, the beautiful thing is you would always, you know, say, hey, you know, it's quite simple. And that's the beauty of of the gift of faith that we have. It is quite simple. Uh, children are getting involved, uh, families, humble people, people who are who have much wealth. Uh, and the uh, the effect of this fire, these fires has profoundly touched every level of humanity. And it's it's an amazing unifier. And it's also an amazing opportunity for people to truly empathize with each other, regardless of any of the circumstances of their own life, you know. 
How many, um, how many people, how, how hard has it hit your diocese, um, Chris? Yeah, okay, so uh, the Napa Valley and the Sonoma Valley uh, are both um, in the Diocese of Santa Rosa. The Diocese of Santa Rosa goes from Petaluma, California, which is um, southern Sonoma County on 101, north about uh, three, hour, three hours at least uh, to the Oregon border, and that's Crescent City would be the northernmost town. And oh, then oh, uh, I didn't realize it was that big. I didn't realize it went all the way to Oregon. Yeah, it's it's uh, the largest, one of the largest, if not the largest in geography. And yet it's the it's the smallest population of Catholics, you know, just smallest population, period. But it is a huge expanse. And it's always a challenge of us to stay connected with our uh, fellow uh, diocesan members, parishioners up north. But uh, yeah, it's and the bishop and everybody that's involved does uh, travels many miles in their cars. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, uh, in Sonoma County, and Napa County, and then just north of Napa is Lake County. Lake County, uh, as you probably heard, I don't know, two years ago there was a huge fire in Middletown, and it just devastated the whole area. It's one of those fast-moving fires as well. And then just north of Sonoma County to the west of Lake County is Mendocino County. All of those four counties have had fires in the last 10 days. Um, and obviously what, uh, the, of course, Lake County and Mendocino County, I'm not sure if they're fully contained yet, but they're, all of them are getting close to being fully contained, and but yet they're not. Um, today, as we're recording this, uh, they're close to being 100% contained, and that just means they've got it surrounded. Um, uh, there is rain in the forecast for the end of the day, which is a huge answered prayer. Last year or this year, we had the record amount of rain ever in uh, in this area, at least in, in California, huge amounts of rain. But anyway, um, in Napa uh, County, uh, there was the Atlas Fire, which started on the eastern side of the valley or the Silverado Trail. It literally started just above the uh, Silverado Country Club, where they had, were just finishing the the Safeway Open PGA tournament, uh, and uh, had just were closing shop. And that fire uh, started probably about nine o'clock at night up on the Atlas Peak area. It's a just a mountain range over there. And then the Tubbs Fire, which is the one that eventually reached Santa Rosa started right there at Calistoga, which is in the Napa Valley, just north, about uh, 25 miles or so. Uh, and it started there around Tubbs Lane, and it went up over the mountain, and we're talking 50-mile-an-hour winds blowing this thing. People were talking about 100-foot flames, fireballs coming at them, when they, the folks that were in the midst of it. And they quickly realized that that thing was not going to slow down, and it was heading west, and they saw that it was heading right towards Santa Rosa. And sure enough, it got down all the way to Santa Rosa and hopped over Highway 101. And that's where you see in the Coffee Park neighborhood the devastation. All these houses, you know, it's a nice little middle-class neighborhood, humble working people, and it leveled that place. My sister-in-law uh, lives five blocks from the edge of the devastation. And of course, we were up, uh, it was a late Sunday, you know, and this is the story. I'll tell uh, quick, quickly my story, and then uh, uh, I want to mention 
Father David Genuine, who is in uh, St. Apollinaris Parish in Napa. And he's been on EWTN and so on, but an amazing story of what he did. It's beautiful. So we, it's late Sunday night. We, we see on Twitter, you know, a couple notations that there's a fire in Napa County. And, okay, check it out. And I actually went to Periscope and started zeroing in on the map there and found a guy who was who was broadcasting on Periscope. And, oh boy, I could see that ridge line, just a line of fire. And I was watching that for quite some time. And then I'd hear you know, a few more, you know, bits of information, all of a sudden, then there was another fire. And we just continued to watch and pray. We just started praying, you know, and my wife and I, and I think my kids were still up. We were, we just were all watching this and just concerned about it. Of course, you know, we lived most of our family's upbringing in the Napa community. We lived in Vallejo, California, but we, we, our kids did music lessons and school in Napa. And, you know, that's, that was, I would say most of my kids grew up within that community of people, Catholic homeschoolers and everything. And, uh, so, so we were, and, and plus my wife is from Sonoma County and my mother-in-law lives in Windsor and, uh, sister-in-law and, you know, so we were watching it. And, and by the time one o'clock came, it was advancing. And we said, we got to call Sandy. So we called uh, my my wife's sister, she called her and woke her up and said, "Hey, you need to you need to get out of there. They're evacuating your neighborhood." And she didn't know anything about the fire. She had smelled everyone smelled the the burning uh, the night before as it was starting because the wind was blowing so hard. And so she said, "What?" And she started. To, my wife described what was going on. And at that point, her other phone rang and the doorbell rang and they were saying, get out. And she was, you know, in tears and, but very thankful that my wife had called her to, to be there with her on the phone. And then uh, she went over to her sister's house, my wife's other sister. And then they, the other sister went and got my mother-in-law and uh, took care of her because both those areas of their neighborhoods were, were, were under mandatory evacuation, which means go now. When they say, go now, they mean go now, they might actually help you go, you know, because they they know how dangerous it is. So uh, pr- people have probably seen, and I don't, you know, I don't know, it's hard to tell on the other parts of the country and the world how how much people know about this these fires, but I'm sure people have seen videos. There's just unbelievable videos available to watch the devastation as it's, you know, body cams, you know, uh, firemen and first responders and sheriffs and deputies. Uh, and it's inc- it's absolutely incredible. So um, anyway, that whole the story of the fire is is still, uh, you know, we're in the still in the fire story, meaning it's not out yet. But it's very clear that it's, you know, you know hours are numbered as we're recording this. And um and but now and then people have been realizing as the trauma has been unfolding and people having to leave their homes and then realizing that all they have left is their pajamas, their bathrobe, whatever they were wearing when they left. They had no chance, no chance to go back and get anything, pictures, uh, documents, passports, anything. And that is the story for hundreds of families, uh, it's it's quite incredible. Uh, as in terms of the church, um, I'm going to jump to Father 
David Genuine uh, in St. Apollinaire's Parish in Napa. Uh, you, some of you may actually have heard uh, about him. <clears throat> he uh, he was uh, in, you know, uh, going to bed, you know, Sunday night, hard day work, you know, uh, and he he'd smelled something. He, he said, I, you know, he smelled something and and he was saying, and then the power went out, and he said, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then he got up, and uh, he, he noticed it was windy. Uh, he had been actually at uh, some parishioner's house up on that mountain uh, just hours before, and he had heard some report of, of a fire, but wasn't too concerned. Got a text from a deacon who is part of the parish who has a house up there. He's a doctor in the area, and the deacon said, who was not at home said, Hey, pray for my wife. Uh, there's a fire. And so had, had been praying for her. And so father David said, eventually he just, you know, uh, it was three o'clock in the morning. He, he, and all the power was off. And so he got up, got the flashlight and, uh, running shorts and tennis shoes on, walked around the whole parish and with a flashlight and checked everything. Everything looked fine. And then he said, okay, he opened the church up. He brought our Lord out and uh, lit some candles and brought our Lord in, in the monstrance. And he sent a text out to his little network. And he said, uh, the fire is burning. The church is open. Let's pray. And people started coming. And at three o'clock, three thirty in the morning, there were people in that church praying for the people who were experiencing the devastation at that time. And it was a very powerful thing. And that's one of the unusual parishes that has uh, beautiful things like uh, making confessions available during the week before the morning masses. So um, he, he was there and people began to join him in prayer and uh, in humility. It was just no power, but candles and Jesus. And they eventually had, uh, he, he heard confessions and then said mass. And then the other priest took over and um, there were, he said, I came out and there were some people just wandering the, the parking lot like zombies. You know, they were, they, and I said, well, you know, what's going on? They said, oh, well, we can't go back to our house. They, we were evacuated and we can't go back and we don't know what to do. We said, well, you know, come on, let's, well, let's go into the hall. And he went into the hall and, and there was no power. So he said, what, what can we do? Let's make some coffee. And they had to figure out how to make coffee. And he just boiled water and, went and got instant coffee and he, and somehow somebody else got donuts and he said, well, we're Catholic. That's what we do. We start with coffee and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and what ended up happening hour by hour, more people came that needed to, to be there as an evacuation center and more and more people came with help and they had a huge full house and they had all kinds of food, all kinds of uh, water they had pastoral care. They, they continued to have prayer in the church. And that place was booming. It wasn't even listed on the evacuation centers. And it exploded. And it just became this beautiful, huge experience where he said, you know, we had to have a meeting and kind of organize it very simply. And they had one meeting, kind of decided who was going to be in charge of what, everything from cleaning up to uh, dealing with the uh, the, the National Guard and Red Cross and and all of that. And they weren't in an official, quote, Red Cross uh, evacuation center. That's why we, they weren't listed. I'm not sure why. I guess they had to be checked out first. And Father David just said, well, I guess we're a rogue evacuation center. <laughs> so, so he put on his Rogue One shirt. 
<laughs> and uh, anyway, he they it was a beautiful story. Actually, uh, at the end, uh, I think it was yesterday I talked with him. He uh, he he said they had people brought clothes, you know, and, you know, some clothes were good and some were not so good. And nonetheless, they had a pile of clothes left over. And he said two or three pallets of water, which was great. And they, he said anybody you know that wants him can take him. And there's a priest up north uh, of the valley in St. Helena, which is a, just south of Calistoga. And there's a huge Hispanic um, uh, undocumented migrant population that does the, a lot of the work in the vineyards. It's, it's a huge community in that whole area. And the priest from the north sent some people down, and they were very thankful. They got all the all the uh, clothes and they were able to distribute it to all their the people that uh, needed them so at the end of yesterday it was it was back to the parish you know uh, back to normal but that's uh, an example um, meanwhile over in Santa Rosa uh, the fire came down and destroyed uh, a place called the Angela Center which is a retreat center just on the uh, uphill side from Cardinal Newman High School, ended up burning down most of Cardinal Newman High School, which is the private diocesan Catholic high school, and a number of uh, buildings and structures were affected at St. Rose Elementary, which is right next door. Well, my offices are there on the property of Cardinal Newman uh, in what would be the old uh, rectory where it used to be priests were the teachers of high schools and that's where they used to live and it eventually was converted into a retreat center and there's a chapel there and I had been worrying about the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel praying and uh, I just uh, on that first day I when they said Cardinal Newman's gone just gone they would they would say that about things like the Kmart over there in Santa Rosa which is two blocks from the Chancery building anyway Myself and the religious ed office and the youth ministry office and the social justice office have our offices there in this upstairs of this retreat center place. And uh, I had just come to grips with the fact that everything was gone in my office and which I was sad about the archives of the diocese, the old newspapers, which have beautiful history of the diocese. I was really kind of sad about that. And then I found out the next day that, no, that building was spared. Uh, so that, you know, things like that were happening. Um, meanwhile, the bishop uh, basically uh, mobilized. He got in his car and he started making phone calls, visiting parishes, visiting evacuation centers, being in contact with, with any authorities he needed to be in contact with. And uh, anyway, uh, as all the, of this was happening, um, we we created the web page, you know, sign of hope, srdiocese.org slash sign of hope. And the bishop would kindly and thoughtfully send me updates. And so I started putting up a daily update for about three or four days during the midst of it all. And they are up there. People can read them and they're beautiful, uh, practical and very uh, pastoral. He, you know, he one of the things he wrote on the, one of the first days I thought was really he realized it was important for him to, to, to say this. He said, God, too, is with us always, often without our appropriately valuing or using him, without our giving to him even that hint of gratitude. The spontaneous outcry to God heard very often in these days of trial 
carries the note of worry that somehow this is punishment. I want to assure you that this is not how the good God operates. And so he he, he he's he's basically saying no he you know this is not a punishment but he did did go on and say any sense you know he he goes on and says but this is a purification so it was so beautiful to have your shepherd actually shepherd you know in the midst of this and that those are just a few words but more his actions uh, have been so consoling for all of us and. We're very, very blessed, very blessed, and it's it's a it's a it's a great encouragement to have a bishop like this. Um, and he's he's very humble. My you know, in my office uh, uh, was in the main chancery building. Uh, I'd see him many times of the day, stroll by my office on his way to the chapel just to say a prayer or two. You know, he would visit the chapel quite quite often, uh, other than saying mass in the morning. So um, so that the um, as far as the, uh, the the some of the numbers, um, the the um, we had a big meeting yesterday with the uh, the principals and presidents of the of the Cardinal Lumen High School and the grade school and the insurance our, our CFO and we're talking about we're right now talking about you know what to do next in terms of the practicality. The students have to figure out where they're going to meet or the teachers going to figure that out. The students um, have been doing in these days online stuff so they have a lot of plenty of work to do you know their, their education uh is not going to be really interrupted too much but their gathering as a community has been uh you know topic of conversation so um they um they're working that out and uh as far as we've heard i think probably about 130 families in just in those two schools have lost their homes and everything uh, one staff member, um, and this, and there's also uh, the parishes that are involved, or or have family members that, uh, are, you know, uh, par- parishioners who have lost everything, are all around that area. So there's uh, Cardinal Lumen High School, uh, St. Rose Elementary, right next to each other, and then in Healdsburg, which is just north of Santa Rosa, St. John the Baptist Elementary School. These are these are schools that have had people affected who've lost homes and things and and livelihood by the way, and uh, Saint Apollinaris in Napa, Colby Trinity Prep in Napa, it's a K through 12. You know uh, a lot of people know about Colby, uh, Saint Eugene's Cathedral Elementary in in Santa Rosa, Saint Francis Solano in Sonoma, Saint Mary's Ukiah. There was a fire up in Redwood Valley near Ukiah, north of here. Um, um, St. Helena Elementary, also in St. Helena. So, uh, you know, so that's, you know, the, the we haven't even finished tallying, in other words, all the numbers. Um, I know at, um, at, 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 at the time we're recording this, the fires at their height were covering, covering over 140,000 acres, the biggest fire in California history, I understand. Uh, right. The death toll is at 42. Um, yeah. And thousands of homes have been lost in this uh, in these huge fires. Um, I'm curious about do you do you ha- how how do you even deal with all the people that are suddenly homeless? Yeah, well, that's that's what I think people are really uh, coming to grips with already uh, right now. Uh, but still, there's going to be a need. Um, 
the evacuation centers that cropped up and you know Santa Rosa St. Eugene's Cathedral a big evacuation center some of them have closed because for now they have everyone has a place to lay their head but immediately uh, there's you know families are going to need a, a home some place to live and this is where in my mind this is where my attention is because there are families who can actually look for a place to rent and apply and put down the $6,000 deposit and pay the first month and get everything going and, you know, buy some new bedding and things like that. Praise God. And there's families that there's no way they could do that. They can't, they don't have that extra money to, to put a deposit down. Now people are helping that's the amazing thing. There's lots of money being raised. There's insurance money. There's FEMA money coming. So I'm hoping that people really do pay attention to the folks whose income is is ve very low. I mean, people are living paycheck to paycheck. And the other thing is that in the whole Bay Area, there is a shortage of housing, meaning uh, rents are very high and you know, the Bay Area is based on a double income home. That's the, that's the market. So that means if you're a family like us who have decided that uh, my wife will stay home and, and raise our kids and teach them, that means that we're always accepting the fact that we're just barely scraping, you know. And but there are um, even so there are there are families who both uh, husband and wife work. And, the, you know, the, the, they're just barely making it. And now, not to mention all of the industry that has affected the livelihoods of people. I think the Napa Valley is saying, we're not nervous, but we kind of are. But we'd like you to come and visit us and have dinner. And, you know, the, the tourism industry is most likely going to take a big hit with this. So uh, and that's just the physical, the physical, you know, uh, material uh, issues, not to mention the psychological issues. And uh, that's what they call secondary trauma. So pray for there not to be secondary trauma for all these people. Some of them have lost loved ones. Some of them have not just lost their home. They've lost their livelihood and maybe a loved one. You know, there are there are stories like that. Pray for that. The secondary trauma issue is that they are displaced, but they're in an evacuation type center for, for weeks. And that causes another level of trauma. And they learned this from Katrina. Uh, they call it Katrina brain. And it, it really takes months and months, if not years, to recuperate from the a traumatic event, depending on the level of trauma and the person's, I, I believe, the person's faith. But uh, that that is what you know post-traumatic stress is. And uh, it affects relationships and marriages and, you know, all of that. So I'm really asking people, uh, and this is why part of our vision of Sign of Hope on our website is that we're asking people to uh, sign up for to pledge one hour a week of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament in their own parish, wherever they are, uh, to pray for the healing of all of the victims of the fire in Napa. So you can sign up and say, hey, I'll take this day, you know, and this hour, and I'll do that at my parish. I mean, just let people know, just letting us know 
that uh, you're praying for us. And that's something that we really are, you know, emphasizing because we understand our perspective is, you know, we know that our God is and the sacraments of the church are the source of strength. And uh, we may not feel good about it now, but at least we have that knowledge and that faith that we can walk forward, you know, and take that next right step, you know, and, and trust that, that thank goodness that the church is still there. The sacraments are still valid and we have Jesus. So it is terrible. It's hard, but um, I'm, and I'm hoping that a lot of the people who, are good Catholics. They come every Sunday, but really are uh, floundering in their faith, or just have a have just you know barrel embers burning. That this actually is an opportunity for them to grow uh, in their faith and their relationship with God. Well, you- one of the things, Chris, that uh, that I, that I'm seeing, and I, from the Catholic community, one of the things that people outside of California don't know. There's a very strong Catholic community in California, even though California is one of the centers of um, anti-Christianity, anti-God, you know, lunatic progressivism uh, on things. But I liken it to the fact um, that, like the tree that grows on the side of a cliff, it's in such a hostile environment that it has to be uh, sturdy to survive. But in San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, Sacramento, very strong Catholic communities. I've heard from several people. I know um, my coordinator, the fellow who coordinated San Francisco for me last time and who I look forward to visiting next month. Um, he's down in Marin County and he contacted your diocese. He has an extra room to take somebody in. Uh, yeah, for a time. Yeah. Um, I'm Robert hearing Jones. that from the faith community. Here's the thing with Houston. I actually went through Houston last month uh, to see that it was going going well. And I'll be be in Houston in about two weeks. Um, people gathered together from faith communities, um, but everybody worked together, secular faith, all that they did lot of things. Houston is coming around real well. I hear from the faith community in California doing this, but when you've got thousands of people lost, one of the things I worry about, in California, they talk a good game at the governmental level, but I think they're the most hostile state to middle and lower income people in this country. They have all sorts of punitive taxes, which hit the low-income people the worst. And I'm not hearing much about what California is doing, um, other than their usual posturing, about actually helping people that are suffering. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me. No, I I have to agree. I haven't heard. I really have been trying to listen to all the sources of news in Santa Rosa. There's an AM station, KSRO, which has pretty much been 24-7 fire issues and updates and everything. They have had senators and representatives on the air. Um, they've the, the insurance uh, guy was just in uh, Sonoma, basically telling all the insurance companies, "You better make this quick," you know. So there's there's that. There are some things, but the um, you know we had the appearance of uh, Senators Feinstein and uh, and Pelosi and a few other people, well, Governor Brown, uh, at different places, but. Uh, it seems, you know, like an obligation for them to come and show up. And, I, I, you know, I haven't heard of any programs and plans. I mean, albeit it's it's only 10 days. I mean, I have to give them a little, a little bit of time. But 
You're right, Charlie. I have to say, so for example, the safety net of society, the the food stamps and the, and the assistance that happens is really not enough to do much more than not starve. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not enough for a family and let alone the rent situation. That's the, that's the real issue. So, so um, uh, I haven't heard, I haven't heard of anything significant. I would probably would have heard of something significant uh, being done. Uh, I hear talk of Habitat for Humanity pledging to come and, and all those things. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, haven't heard of one good creative solution for the housing issue that is here now and will be here until, you know, for years to come, really, now. Okay. Well, in California, it's just it's, – it's such a tough place because the way everything is set up – and I'm, you know, I'm just going to say it bluntly here. California, with all their posturing and that business of how compassionate they are, if it doesn't involve politicians saying, give me money, give me power, um, and let me show how compassionate I am, they don't do anything. And for ordinary people in Houston, you can show some initiative and government doesn't stop you. So people were able to respond quickly. In California, you can't show any initiative. The The burdens to entry are so huge. So, you know, you poor folks, uh, you know, you yeah. this doesn't involve giving me money or giving me power or showing uh, how virtuous I am. So, you know, get bent. Figure it out for yourselves. Yeah. Uh, it just, it really irritates me. Yeah, I, I have a story to confirm that attitude and, I was talking with Father Genuine yesterday, and he said that he's been asked and is saying masses for the National Guard that was deployed last week. There's a bunch of uh, National Guard uh, men who are in Napa area. So he's going, you know, each week and maybe uh, more than that to to say mass for them. And he was talking with, you know, some of the men, and he said, you know, how does your family um, like this? And, well, you know, they're saying they understand, but, uh, yeah, it's hard. And he said, um, how long do you think you're going to be here? And he said, well, um, since we're getting this is getting paid for by the government, California won't mind if we're here for months to come because they might figure out, you know, well, let's have these guys do traffic and this and that. So if it was being paid for by California, it'd be a different story. They'd be sending them home in the next day. So that's a kind of a confirmation of that attitude from the state of California. It's just frustrating. You know, you've seen all of these natural disasters right now. Um, the hurricane in Houston, the hurricane in Florida, the hurricane in um, Puerto Rico, hurricanes now sweeping into um, England and Ireland, uh, which yeah. is unusual. And it's been interesting to watch because you see in different areas when it uh, push comes to shove, who steps up and who doesn't step up? Yeah. Um, I was impressed in Houston. I was impressed in Florida. I mean, there was a lot of missing, not misinformation, but it showed how inaccurate it can be. I know I knew one one person who lived in Miami figured, OK, I'll go out to the uh, West Coast <laughs> uh, to avoid the hurricane. And they got blasted because that's where the hurricane yeah. was. Um, yeah. The expert, the like a little expertise, I think. 
But people banded together, and I just don't see that happening outside the faith community in California right now. I hope I'm wrong. Right. I, I have to, you know, uh, affirm that perspective because, I, you know, I don't see that. And I know that the faith community uh, it, you know, has some room to grow in this, but still, uh, I don't know. We, no, we shouldn't have to only depend on the faith community. I mean, at least we can look to the government for something. But um, I, the bottom line is that I believe that many people are beginning to just conclude Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get the support I really need. I'm going to have to figure something else out as everything continues to unravel and other things start to take place. I mean, what if another thing happened? And and if another thing happened, then then the resources they have now will be split in half. And you know, uh, it's very clear that it's really. The, the sense of unraveling is there. It's like, okay, one more loop of this, you know, uh, that falls off, it's going to, the whole thing might just collapse. So it is a very interesting time and experience. People in society, as you go out, drivers are being distracted. There's accidents. People at the store are just like walking around. Some of them, you can see the shock. Uh, my kids have been noticing that. They just have been, uh, marveling at, at you know at how sad it is really to see people walking around trying to pretend like everything's normal but it, Chris, it, you I, can tell it's shock yeah i think uh something you said earlier is something that i keyed in on and, and it's your faith and i know a lot of people you know and dad you've said stuff about people trying to be self-sufficient and there's definitely something you said about making your own plans or having you know like my wife and i have a budget and we've got an emergency fund uh, but when the hits keep coming and you're tapped out on your emergency fund, that's when you get to this, do I really trust in God? Do I really trust that he's got a plan when I go back to my house and it's burned down? Uh, and I know that I, as a young man, have been in that situation. And it wasn't yeah. that big a deal for me, uh, but, you know. We, it was for me, Chad. Yeah, I know it was for you. Uh <laughs> We, we went out to get KFC, and uh, we showed up, and we said, man, our neighbor's house is on fire. That is a terrible situation. And then when we got closer, I was like, well, maybe we can get into our driveway. And I'm like, wait, that's our house. <laughs> uh, but we went, and we ate some KFC. Luckily for Christmas that year, I got a bike, and it wasn't damaged. But all what you were saying, you know, a lot of stuff was hitting close to home. Uh, yeah. All of the clothes, smoke damage. Uh, yeah. All of our bedding, smoke damage. Uh, now, luckily, we had a family friend who happened to have three extra bedrooms in her house, and we just kind of wow. lived there for a while until we got things figured out. Um, but there's there's a couple things to be said about that. One, how much do you really trust God? Because that was a great situation. You know, I think a lot of people get super into I've got a plan and I can give to people that need but not a lot of people think my plan can collapse and I can be the one in need and how do you accept graciously I don't think a lot of people play that side of the the coin wow I have to you are so correct I just want to confirm that Charlie because I I I 
also went through that. And what you're talking about is is really the heart of this whole thing. In this situation, when my reserves are gone and I and I have less than nothing, where is my faith? Where is my faith? And uh, I was mentioning to you guys before, I mean, uh, there was a time starting in 2011 where it, the Lord invited us and we spoke with our spiritual director, Father Vito, and and uh, he said, yep, that's okay, because we were, we had to leave the home that we were renting uh, in Vallejo on the golf course, beautiful home with a fountain in the backyard and all that stuff, and because the, the owners were going to move back in, and always in our marriage, uh, we've been married, you know, uh, quite a few years, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, almost 30 years, we, we've always had, the Lord's always provided that next step, but this time he didn't, and we had a sense there was something different. We didn't have any any particular place that he was showing us he wanted us to go. And then my wife had a dream that that uh, she had three red suitcases and Jesus was standing there and and he said these are all you can bring and she he said do you have everything you need? She looked and she said yeah I've got my pictures and uh, okay that's it. And then two of them were taken away and all she had was one and he said now do you have everything you need? And she said. Yeah, I'm okay with this. And it was his way of preparing her because we had three years of not having a house right. as a family. And um, the uh, the point I'll make is that, and, and this was in the Napa Valley area. We, you know, there's other, you know, I was still working, but then that job left and uh, completely changed. And, and so jobless and houseless and all of our stuff in storage and for three years, we were that way. There were different parts of the story. If you want to read it, you can go to chrislifer.wordpress.com and look at my blog. But there's little snippets there. We noticed the, the poorest families were the most generous, and some of the wealthiest were the most stingy. And that is the truth. And, and it's not because of the, the, uh, um, the amount of money in the bank. It's because of an attitude. And and uh, that's the that's the point I'm making. It's the attitude of generosity, of of letting go, of trusting, and and falling forward. You know, and um, so that's I like Charlie. I, I got an idea as you're saying this. Uh, just like we have a holy hour sign up, I should have a place on the website where people can offer their homes or rooms in their homes for yeah, kind of, like a Catholic Airbnb. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Uh, it's well, worth that. You know, and I, it's a common phrase, I think, um, for when you're talking about the rich people being stingy. Uh, when you say they're stingy, you know, this kind of thing. And it's a common uh, redirect to say, well, how do you think I got all this money? Yeah, that's right. You know, how, how do you think it got this way? And, True. You know, my thing. Uh, my wife and I, when we were doing our premarital counseling, uh, awesome priest who just told us to get financially ready and have a plan because neither one of us really cared about money. Um, and my <laughs> my theory was I've never cared about it and I've never had a problem. Even when I haven't had money, it's not been an issue. Something has happened and whatever. Uh, but then it's kind of like the theory of what do you do with the gifts? And now we've saved up a good bit and what that's enabled us to do is if we see someone who needs something boom we can just give and it's uh i will never 
take that for granted. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, because I'm sure everyone here has had at some point that, what would you do if you won the lottery conversation? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, man, I get a car. And my, my thing I've always said is I would buy a giant house and adopt as many kids as I can. <laughs> Ooh, that's a path to sainthood. I know that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you got that much money, yeah. you don't really need to work. Yeah. So let's do that's something right. that we need. Yeah. No, that's right. It's that attitude. It's the attitude. Um, so, uh, like I said, detachment is the is the key thing that we learned as a family, which was I'd done that in, in college. I hitchhiked from Alaska down to Seattle on the Alcan Highway with me and my roommate. That's a cool and uh, yeah, I just uh, we wanted to to blow the carbon out of our system and see what kind of faith we had. And boy, did we learn <laughs> anyway. Um, but I never thought that I'd marry a wife who was into that, you know, and we but the, the beautiful thing is that we knew that the daily mass and the rosary were the only way through that. And that is the truth. And that is confirmed. And it's the same the same message going forward right now, we know as a family, we've got to pray the rosary every day and try to go to as many masses as we can in a week and go to confession if we need to weekly. And that is a, a value that we've, we have held high and respect in our family. And it's borne so much fruit. Our, all our kids are all in with the faith. And we're so blessed and thankful that we, we don't take it for granted. And, and, but but that's that's how we have made it through. It's not on us. The glory goes to God and Mary, you know. So um, it is it is really that uh, gift of detachment that we have embraced, like Saint Francis. Uh, clarify, purify, sanctify. Those were the words that the Lord gave us on our little journey. He's clarifying where is our relationship with Him. You know, we're getting clarity on that and making the adjustments and trying to move forward. Um, purify. He's he's purifying us of all of our sins and all of our bad habits and all of our bad attitudes. And uh, and then he's sanctifying us. He's he's actually transforming us into who he is. Um, so so very thankful for you know that that God has blessed us with His presence and 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 the faith. To just you know keep going and keep walking, taking the next right step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're at about the 50-minute mark. Um, Dad, what direction you want to go here? Well, you know, a couple of things. Uh, one, in defense of, um, I, I found what you're talking about on my pilgrimage too. Um, if somebody was going to stop and see if I was okay or offer to help or invite me in, they were almost invariably poor. I had one genuinely wealthy person along the way stop to, and, and I, I actually stayed a couple of days with the fella and some middle class people, but it was usually the, um, the very poor. Uh, I mean, if yeah. I saw a new Cadillac going down the street, they weren't going to stop and uh, want to talk to me. If I saw an old beater truck like the one I got right now, they were able to say, hey, what you doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. But in defense of people who are wealthy, I've worked with some that are fabulously wealthy. Um, uh, when I was doing politics, they get inundated. They get something that we folks that are of normal means don't. They get inundated with people who have schemes. 
yeah. who are always trying to get them. So it creates a natural defensiveness. I knew one guy that was fabulously wealthy, um, good fella, but he struggled. He was never sure. A little socially awkward. He was never sure whether people liked him because of his money or liked him because of him. And that defensiveness showed through. And that that kind of touched my heart on things. Can you imagine having to do that? Yeah. Here's the thing. Ultimately, we're all going to have to depend on each other. Everything is being stripped right now. The illusions are being stripped. You look at what's happening with the um, with the, the natural disasters, which have sped up incredibly in the last six months. Then you look at the fall, you know, when in Hollywood with the Weinstein thing, when that fell, I thought, well, no wonder these women think that conservatives must be terrible because the liberal men are so predatory and horrific in Hollywood. Uh, they must think that, wow, uh, if these other guys are worse, they must really be bad. The illusions are falling away. Um, in fact, in modern society, being a leftist is like the old indulgence system that led to the Reformation. Um, if you just say the right liberal pieties, then you can be uh, a sexist, you can be a racist, you can be whatever you want. Just say the right liberal pieties, and that's collapsing in the NFL, in the news industry, in the in Hollywood. Um, we're getting rid of the illusions uh, in government. You're seeing that government can't help. It wants all the power, but it can't help. Right now, the people that are doing the helping in California are the faith communities uh, and things. And um, you've got to allow people initiative. We're going to have to depend on each other. We do have to depend on each other. But that's not the horrible thing that people think it is. Mm. In the War and Peace, Leo Tolstoy's massive thing, the main character of the story, Pierre Bazukov, at once uh, at one point is taken prisoner by the French for a month and a half. He's a wealthy man. He's rich. He's lost everything. You know, after the Moscow was evacuated and much of it burned, um, and he thought how terrible it was. After it was over, he was a much better man. And he reflected at one point, we think that when everything is taken away, it's the end. But it's actually... The only thing that gets through to us in our stubbornness, the way that God gets through to us, to allow for genuine new growth. And we saw that, Chaz, um, you know, when we left, um, when we left Chicago, we moved to Belleville. After staying with our friend for a couple of months, we moved to Belleville, which is the Illinois side of St. Louis. Uh, It started in the summer. Charlie was miserable. Uh, at first. And the reason we did, that was the beginning of uh, my daughter's meltdown and that. And I knew I was prominent in the Chicago area. And whatever people say, um, when a child, when somebody comes in, they're going to be under the microscope. It just happens. So I moved down to uh, Belleville because although I had contacts there, I was not prominent. I figured when she came home, she'd be able to flourish again. Well, mm-hmm. Charlie, after he started school, he's suddenly the most popular guy in school. <laughs> and Charlie's got a 
He's got a charisma to him. Mm-hmm. After a few years, it became clear that Christie wasn't coming home anytime too soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm wanting to move back up to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Charlie, surprisingly to me, was very reluctant uh, about it. Mm-hmm. And finally, he said one of the coolest things that's always stuck in my memory. He said, I'd rather stay here. He said, Dad, up in Chicago, I'm Charlie Johnston's son. Down here, you're Charlie Johnston's dad. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. And I thought, by gum, until he graduates high school, uh, we're going to be in Belleville. That's humility for you. You have no, that race. In the worst situations, grace rises and joy rises, and you make connections you would have never made without yeah. the disaster. Yeah, amen. We, we, we hung out and had dinner with more friends in those three years than we had in the last ten because they invited us to their house to stay overnight, or to, and we'd pray a rosary. And by the way, I just want to say there were some very, very wealthy people you know, families, you know, a handful of those families that were very generous and good to us. I mean, but it was more of a faith thing. And that's I guess that's my point is we all have something to give and we all have a need and we should not be ashamed of our need and be humble enough to say, yeah, I've got a need. I'd really appreciate your help. Yeah. Well, and Chris, another thing I thought of while we've just been talking here is one, the natural disasters are things where you really can't counter it with anything you can't say oh this is to blame this is blame it just happens and there you are with your situation and i thought of you talking about having to move out of your house and your situation and i thought of you know when you build your house on a foundation of sand you know that passage but how else do you see the foundation of your house unless your entire house gets knocked down yeah Wow. And that's kind of the the thing there. Like, you know, if it gets knocked down and you get this good foundation, then you're there staring at something to rebuild. Uh, Beautiful. If if not, then you've got to fix the foundation before moving forward. And I think that's the reset that comes from all this. I look at them and I look at it as an opportunity and a chance. And I believe that comes from my faith. You know, I look at stuff like this Mm -hmm. as opportunities, which seems crazy, Mm -hmm. but... You know. No, it's true. Yeah, and that's the exactly beautiful, beautiful image. That's what happened with our family. We've never been so close. The picture of us, and you know, throughout the whole thing, our car got repossessed. We repossessed while we were visiting our our Protestant friends in their church, and uh, they couldn't believe how peaceful we were when they, we saw it happening. So I went down and I figured out how, where our car was and talked to the tow truck guy who was looking at me like, you're not freaking out. I said, hey, we just need our stuff. I mean, we don't have a home. We'd just like to get our stuff. I'll give you the keys. You know, And, and he couldn't believe it. Anyway, um, our family, the picture of us is you know, like taking public transit, but we're all sitting together and we're laughing because we're so thankful that God gave us the glimpse of our foundation. And that's our, our, our the beauty of our family and our commitment and selfless service to each other, and that's that's the that's the golden foundation. That that that's a beautiful image, Charlie. That's just that's just beautiful. It's exactly what happened. It was one of the beauties. I got to know Chris's family, his wife Vicky, and his kids. Um, that is your foundation. I mean, that is the basic foundation. The fundamental foundation is God. God is the rock you're built on, but you've got the foundation of family. 
And that's the foundation from which societies and cultures are built. And Chaz, that was one of the most profound things you've ever said. Hey, <laughs> beautiful. Just beautiful. Every now and again, something comes out of my mouth that I'm proud of. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the That's, time, not so I, I like to think that you're a chip off the old block when you yeah. do that. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, that's going to that's gonna stay forever for me. That's beautiful. Yeah, That's well, beautiful. Thank you. Hey. In you any know. case, we are running out of time here. Uh, Chris, I thank you for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, we'll see you in November in San Francisco. You got it. Hey, uh, Chris, real quick before you go, do you want to go back over your uh, points of contact so people can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, just personally, it's chrislifer.wordpress.com, and you know, that's the best way to, to see about me and then uh, get in contact with me. But uh, the the thing I would encourage folks to do is to go to the Sign of Hope webpage on our Santa Rosa Diocese website, which the address is srdiocese.org, diocese.org, slash sign of hope, all one word. Okay. And, and Chris, thank you. Uh, Chris Lyford is L-Y-F-O-R-D. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. And then, as always, if you've got any questions or comments, you can submit them to uh, the next right step blog at charliej373.wordpress.com. Uh, so, Chris, thanks for joining us. Dad, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> thank me for joining us. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's it. We'll have kids. God bless us, us everyone. <laughs> Take care, guys. Take care. And the people of the kingdom. And the people of heaven shall rise together, shall rise forever, and the people of the kingdom shall